tell you, I don't have a problem with people getting busy with worshiping God. Amen? Because that's what, man, he, he shows up in mighty, mighty ways when we do that. We don't need to be shy about it. We don't need to be reserved about it. Now, we need to do what the Spirit leads us to do, but we don't need to be shy about it. Not at all. We need to just worship Him in spirit and truth. And when we do that, He shows up and works in power. In power. There are things that He can do that we haven't even seen nor could imagine. And we've seen in this house, for those of you who have been here over time, We've seen him do great and powerful and mighty things, right? But I don't believe we've even scratched the surface of it. I don't. I believe that we've got greater things to come. Greater things are out there for us as we continue to grow in Christ, live for him, walk in obedience, and ask him to come into our presence every time we gather and every time we wake up. You know, Church is on Sunday, and that's great. And we have a lot of other things that happen in the ministries here at First Assembly. But there's another six days. That's just one day. We got six other days to wake up every morning and thank Him for what He's done. Worship Him for who He is. And all of the things that He wants to do for us will become manifest in our lives. I believe that absolutely to be the truth as I speak to you this morning. And I believe it for me. So how many are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? After saying all that, singing all that, I can tell you I am. So thank you for being here. It's just, it's, it's wonderful to be in the, in the house of the Lord and in the presence of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, I, I was able to speak on a uh, subject that was a two-part uh, message. And then the following week, uh, the Spirit of the Lord just moved and led a different direction. And, and glory to God for that. And so I'm, I'm, I was going to preach that sermon on that day, and, and instead we've moved it to today. So uh, that, just as a reminder, that sermon of a couple of weeks ago was on the, on the great commandments. And those are just simply two things. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then a close second, I call it. Jesus said next to that, love everyone else. Love your neighbor as yourself. Simple to understand Sometimes, not always the easiest thing to implement in our lives. Not saying we don't do it, but we really need to be 100% in that. Those are, those are great commandments. In fact, Jesus said the first one, love the Lord your God, is the first and the greatest. He said both those things. He says the first and the greatest. And so I wanted to talk about that as, as, as part one because I... I believe we do that here. I want us to just be more known everywhere that we go, every encounter that we have with people in our community, in our workplace, in our families, at our schools. I want us to be known for the love of Christ. He said you're going to be known. We will be known as his disciples. We're going to be known by our our love. So we want to be known for that. We want this church to be known. If, if you want to get loved on, if you want to have people love on you, not judge you, come to a place where they're going to come around you and support you and encourage you and, and surround you with the love of Christ, First Assembly is the place to be. That's what I want us to be known for. 
because not because I wanted to be that way, because I believe that's what the Lord instructs us to do and, and gave us the commandment to do that. And then there's another great thing that uh, this is what I want to be discussing with you today, and that is the Great Commission. Now we all know, we all probably know, or most of us do, what the Great Commission is. We've probably heard sermons preached about it before, but it is really it's the last thing that Jesus left with us. You know, it's the last thing. And there are things that, that in our lives are uh, a term of, that people have used called famous last words. I don't know if you've ever used that and said, well, yeah, famous last words. There's a few of these I was going to pop up a couple. Here's some. I don't know if anybody knows about this, but Lou Gehrig, the guy who actually had the single season home run record in the major leagues, actually technically probably still does, but that's another subject. But uh, he, uh, of course, he you know was also known for Lou Gehrig's disease and, and, and uh and he was on the field at Yankee Stadium, and amongst other things that he said, one of the things that he remembered uh, was remembered for is as he said, I consider myself to be the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That's something that a lot of people, particularly maybe sports fans, would know. Another thing is, uh, famous last words, if everybody saw the movie Casablanca, knows who Humphrey Bogart is. Here's looking at you, kid. Anybody ever heard that? Okay, well, that's another one. Here's Douglas MacArthur. Gosh, well, a lot of people might have heard that, right? I shall return. That was one of the famous last words of what, of what he said. And uh, I'm not sure if we had another one. Do we have another one? That it? So, look, famous last words are things that a lot of people have been known for, people have said. But I don't think there were any more famous last words than the words of Jesus as he was ascending into heaven. He wanted to let us know what it was that was most important. I think it's impactful that he waited until this time in his in his uh, ministry after his resurrection, and which I consider to be a part of his ministry all the way through to his ascension. That uh, that he that he wanted us to know, and, and very clearly. And in Matthew twenty eight sixteen through twenty, it says this. If you have your Bibles, you can look there or look on our screens. It says this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when he, they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I always wondered about that. Come on. At this point, some still doubted? But they did. But that's another, there's a whole conversation about that I could have with you. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Heavenly Father, I just ask right now that every moment left in this service and in this brief word I'm going to bring today be be under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that what you want said be said today, and that you move in the hearts of people to have this as it's moved in my heart, Lord, to, to just understand and be and, and, and be committed into this uh, in, important instruction that you've given us in the Great Commission. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's three parts of this I just want to unpack a little bit here today uh, of, this, of the Great Commission, that there is a great authority, that there is a great instruction, and that there is a great promise. In verse 18, Jesus said this. He came up and he spoke to them. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now think about that just for a second. All authority. Donald Trump doesn't have that. 
Many of the other world leaders don't have that. They call the President of the United States the leader of the free world, right? Guess what? He doesn't have all authority. He doesn't even have all authority in Washington, D.C. <laughs> you know? The, the fact of the matter is, only God can make a claim like that. Only the true God can make that claim. He says, all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. So here, here's the thing I, that I was thinking about that. Look, if we reside as believers, we have to be a believer to reside under this authority. If we reside under the authority of Jesus, we have his authority to carry out the things he asks us to do. You hear that? If we live and reside under the authority of Jesus Christ, his authority, and we are submitted to that and committed to that, we have the authority we need to carry out the things he wants us to do and ask us to do. So look, and I believe, and I've been in this place, and I I think it's a a day-by-day walk. Many of us in our own lives are not exercising that authority. We're not exercising the authority to live life the way we should really be living it for one simple reason, and that's that we've not come under the authority of Jesus. We've just not said, look, you know, you are Lord and everything else. You have all authority, and I am in complete submission, complete commitment, complete dedication, and complete surrender. I recognize and want to live under the authority of Jesus. We can't have the opportunity for the authority and the power, really, the, the, the real power that we need, that God alone can give us, unless we abide under his lordship. And I want that to be very, very clear, that that is something that he has been given all authority, and that we need to be under and living under his lordship, his authority, to do the things that he is wanting us to do and ask us to do. And then the great instruction is this, it's verse 19, and the first part of verse 20, it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the word go, which you saw on the screens earlier and there at the bottom, that's sort of a title word of what we're talking about here today. Go is a word that carries a power to it, a command to it. It's a very active word. It is a word of action, not a word of passivity. Go is something that, even though it's only two letters, it is an extremely important word in this great instruction. And and let me say why. When I look at words, sometimes you look at the word study and you'll go look at the definition of the word. You might look at the word in in, in what the original word. writings in Greek or in Hebrew and all that stuff's great. One of the things I like to do, too, is look at what the opposites of words are, the antonym of a word, to sort of think about. Here's the antonyms or opposite of the word go. Idleness, apathy, laziness, fail, give up, lose. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be known in terms of Trying what I can, what I can do, the little piece that I can do to fulfill the great commission of ever being accused of being idle, apathetic, lazy, failing, losing, giving up. Do you? Yeah, that's the opposite of this word. Now, the first word he said is go. 
<laughs> Go. We're not to wait for people to come to us now. We're not to do that. We can't wait. Well, then, yeah, if, he, if somebody comes along my path or they just happen to be there, sometimes that might happen. We have to go. We have to go to them, not wait for them to come to us. We have to go to them. We're to follow the instructions of Jesus. Jesus said, not me, go. That's the word. It's like, if you don't follow instructions, and again, I believe that's an instruction from Jesus. I believe it's a command. But if, if you don't follow instructions, things don't work. How many have ever been on a diet? Yeah? Okay. So, now, I've heard about all kinds of diets. There's all kinds of diets. There's the Atkins diet. There's the South Beach diet. There's the uh, Nutrisystem diet. There's like on and on and on. I could, you know, however many that there are, who knows, they're probably countless. But the one thing about diets is, with rare exceptions, there could be some exceptions, most of these diets in one form or another will work. And again, I'm not here, I'm not being critical of anybody who is or isn't on a diet or doesn't like, I mean, this is not it. But, but those things are set up to actually succeed if you follow the instructions. They're designed to succeed if you follow the instructions. Now, what I will say is this. Diets, the diet itself... The, the, the plan, the instruction, the guidelines, that usually doesn't fail. People fail. People fail to carry out the instructions. And when that happens, we're not able to do everything that we want to accomplish in that regard. It's like a pro athlete, too. I've talked with some pro athletes before, and I've seen interviews, read things about And uh, i, I got to tell you, one thing that always comes up is, why, how did you get to be in the major leagues? Or how did you get to be an NBA basketball player? Or how did you get to be an NFL football player? And the one thing that you'll generally always hear is this, and I'm paraphrasing, but what, what you'll generally hear is this, I did what everyone else was unwilling to do. I did what everyone else was unwilling to do. So when it was raining and everybody else wanted to stay in, I still got out and ran 10 miles. Or when I didn't feel like it because my body was sore from the day before, I still got up in the morning and went down and did my training that I needed to do. While other people were not doing that. There may have been people in many cases in those cases where, where they're more talented and more physically gifted, but they didn't carry out the things that they needed to do to be successful. And so I think in, in, in looking at what God is asking us to do, we need to do the things that some people, other believers even, aren't willing to do. We have to be willing to go. We have to be actively doing things and not sitting passively in our seats. Now, look, I'm glad everybody's here, and I want everybody to be here, because I believe this is an important part of your spiritual growth, to be in a fellowship of a body of believers. I think that's clear in the Word of God. But that's not all we are supposed to do. Is this making anybody feel uncomfortable? I hope so. Making me feel a little uncomfortable. <laughs> we can't just sit in our seats. We've got to go. That's it. We've got to go. We can't look at it like that. We have to be active, not passive. Passivity doesn't work. Activity works. Passivity does not work. Activity works when it comes to fulfilling this so important instruction that Jesus left with us. Now, again, it doesn't need to be a shotgun approach. We've talked about two weeks from now, there's the, the, the 
back to church Sunday. That's an opportunity of a lot of neat things going on. We're going to offer a free meal, and it's going to be, and we're just going to have some gifts for everybody. We're going to have a little gift box for all the people who are guests here, things like that, and that's great. But, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to go out and talk to 100 people. You don't have to say, well, I'm going to invite everybody at the Orange Park Mall today to come to church. Pick one. It just starts with one. It's all about individuals. It's like relationships. Go find somebody, and that's who you want to, that's who you want to have that encounter with. And then if they come or if they decide not to, then you go go to the next person. But it's all about individuals, but it has to have action attached to it. You cannot sit passively. And I think that's so important. And if you remember, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we, we said this, and this is a, 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 a statement that we made, and, and that is this. If we truly live by the great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, love others as you love yourself. Love God, love others, if you're going to just want to boil it right down. Love Him 100%, love others like you love yourself. We truly live by the great commandments and vigorously pursue the great commission we're talking about today, the result will be a great church. How many believe we have a great church today? Amen. 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 We have a great church today. But God has not called us to sit and soak. He has called us to go. He's called us to go. And that's what I'm talking about. A great church can always be a greater church. A wonderful place to come together and worship can be a more wonderful place. If led by the Spirit of God, and if we are truly following and living the Great Commandments and vigorously pursuing the Great Commission. And that comes down to a couple of other things, but the main thing it comes down to is go. It comes down to Go, remember that word. Okay. Here's a test question real quick when somebody asks you this question. Is your mission here on earth finished? This is what's hard. You don't have to answer. Just think about what your answer would be. Is your mission here on earth finished? And I want to just give you the quick answer to what it is. If you are alive and God has blessed you with the ability to live another day and breathe today, it's not. If you're living and you're breathing, it doesn't matter how young you are, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter what circumstances you're in. If you are still here with us, and God bless you, your mission's not over. That's it. I'm telling you, it's not. And that's the best part of it. That's the life that we're in. And guess what? It's awesome. (laughs) It's great. It's great. So if you're alive, it isn't. And Jesus, you know, he, he didn't just say go. He was that way. You know, he didn't build. He could have. He could have done anything he wanted to. He didn't build a place and say, hey, everybody at 1030. And, I'm, again, I think we need to, we got to be in church now. Everybody at 1030, yeah, come to this place. We built this awesome building. Look at this wonderful place I have. I'm going to be speaking at 1030 every Sunday or every Saturday or whatever it was that he wanted to do. Everybody come to me. And I will speak to you today. He didn't say that. What did Jesus do? He went. He goes. Man, he took his ministry on the road. Jesus went into the marketplaces, into homes, on the seashore, in a boat. He went and ministered to people as he's walking from one town to the other. People were gathered and he's talking to them. He's healing people. He's speaking to people. He took his ministry.
ministry on the go. That's what he did. Jesus was mobile. He didn't wait for people to come to him. He went to them. Now, people did come to him, and that's what happens, see? You do things like that, and all of a sudden, people just start showing up. People start coming in. God's going to send people here that you've never met before and say, where do all these people come from? Well, it came because we're doing our part, each of us, individual, one-on-one, doing the part that God's asking us to do because we're going to go, they're going to come. If we go, they'll come, and they'll come from places. They'll start hearing what's going on. There won't even be anybody that any of us met. They're just going to have heard, hey, where do you go, church? I'm like, man, this place is awesome. This is great. Come on one time. And then you might see him next week. You might see him next month. But but that's what happens. That's what happened with Jesus. He, he, he just, I mean, the, the word got around, and the next thing you know, people did start to find him. But he was always on the move. That's what he did. He lived out what he's asking us to do. I want to just say this. This is just, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I think there's a lot of scripture that could support this, but this is something I really believe. If you want to live in victory, you cannot stand still. I'm going to say it again. If you really want to live in victory, and you're like, how many want to live in victory? I do. Do I live in victory every single moment of my life? No, I don't. But I, but I, but I, 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 I'm, 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 I know the way to do it. And I know... I'm living in it a whole lot more than I used to. And I tell you this, the more I do what he tells me to do, the more I live in victory. That I know. (laughs) That I know. And the thing is, is that if you want to live in victory, in true victory, in the fullness of all that God has for you, you can't, you just can't sit still. You can't do it. We have got to be as believers, I believe, and I say as a church, So as a church, but as believers, we have to be on the offensive, not the defensive. Sometimes I've heard people say, yeah, well, we're going to build this wall of protection around. And there's nothing wrong with any of this. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we're going to protect it. We're not going to let the enemy get in here. We're going to build it. We're going to pray a hedge of protection. Again, all that's great. We're going to do You know what? No. I want to go out and attack the enemy. I want to go and cut the head off the serpent. I don't want him to have any ground. If you think you've got this ground, Satan, okay, well, look, I'm going to build my wall here, and you can't come over. That's fine. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But guess what? You've got this. You've got the entertainment business. You've got Facebook. You've got whatever other things that you seem to think that you can operate in, devil. Guess what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm taking new ground now. This is your territory. I'm stepping into that. I'm stepping into this because you don't own that. He owns that. He is having the authority over everything in heaven and earth. We need to be on the offense, not the defense ever. We need to be on the attack and on the march. Amen. That's where I want to be. We can do that. So we say, he says, go. The next thing he says, and make disciples. He clearly gives us what's a disciple. Luke 9, 23 and 24. Verse 23 says this. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. I think that's 9A and 9B. 
But if not, if it doesn't come on the screen, you can look it up, 923 Luke. It says it just like that. This is the New Living Translation, but it says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's not literally having you got to pick up a cross and do I mean, I've had some people actually say that, so I just said, I know you probably don't think that, but it simply means this. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. Totally commit to me every day and follow me. Totally surrender to me every day and follow me. That's what he's saying. Take up your cross and follow me. You want to be my follower? You got to give up your own way. And you got to do it my way. <laughs> but you see, that's how you live in victory. That's how you live in victory. And in Luke 9, 24, it goes on to say this. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Again, he's not speaking literally there, but what he means is he's asking, are you willing to give up what's important in your life to follow him? Are you today? Am I making you feel uncomfortable now? Or is the Spirit of God making you feel uncomfortable now? It's making me feel a little uncomfortable. Am I willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? Am I willing to say what's important to me? Again, we, we understand what we're talking about. I'm talking about every single... Uh, well, I'm talking about what is important to you that is in between you and following Him all in. Loving the God, your Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. What is that? Are you willing to do it? If you're trying to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Luke 9, 24. Look it up. It's not me. He said it. But Jesus never requires us, I don't believe, to deny ourselves happiness. Does anybody feel that way sometimes? Like, well, if I do all that, I'm not going to be happy. I can't have happiness if I can't go and do the stuff I want to do. You know, and again, it's not to say you don't have other things and you do things in life. That's not the point. The point is he's not going to deny you happiness. That's not what it is. But what he wants to do is this, and listen very carefully. He is going to ask you to deny pursuing happiness in temporary, fleeting, and short-term pleasures. He is asking you to do that, and that's okay, because that's how we live in victory. That's how we live in victory. We can do that if we're not putting our eyes on the things that are that are short term, that are fleeting, that aren't that aren't that aren't what the the eternal lens that we look through, if we look through that eternal lens, would indicate that we should do. He's not going to ask us to deny happiness, but he sure is going to tell us to not pursue it in the areas where we should not pursue it. Does that make sense? It did to me, and when I was writing this out, I said, man. I gotta. I need to go sit out there and listen to this sermon. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's 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 not an automatic thing. It's something we have to work at. We have to dedicate ourselves to. But through Him, because He has all authority, we can do that. See, we can live under His lordship, under His authority. He can help us do that. So we've discussed go. We've discussed making disciples. The third thing, and I'm just going to quickly go through that, is that he says to baptize. Baptism is something we all know, so I won't spend a lot of time there, but, but basically it's this. It, there's a lot of things you can speak about baptism, whole sermon about it, really. 
more than that, but, but essentially it's this. It, it, it's a declaration of saying that I have decided to follow Jesus. I am going now. Everything else is the old things have passed away. All things become new as I come up. I'm a new creature in him, and I'm declaring it to the world as a declaration of my faith. I want to be baptized, and we baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to move on from that to this next portion, and this is the last thing. The next portion is the great instruction, other than the, uh, the, the, after the great instruction is this. The second part, excuse me, of the great instruction is this, and that is teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. You see, it says, go, make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, in order to teach people in the best way, we have to be doing everything we possibly can do to be living what he has commanded us to do. Amen? And even though we're not perfect, and even though we may make mistakes, we have to live our lives in a way where we're pursuing a life following the commandments of Jesus. And it starts with, as much as anything, because it was the first and the greatest, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love others even when you don't feel like they deserve it. Even if not when you feel like they don't deserve it, even when they actually don't deserve it. You love them like you love yourself. You do that and other things that he's given us to do to walk in obedience, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So those are the two parts of that great instruction, to go, make disciples, baptize, and then teach what he has taught us and what he has commanded us, in fact, to do. Then lastly, that's the great promise. So we have the great promise in the first part or second part of verse 20, and that is, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If I didn't speak about anything else today, I could speak this whole time about that. Isn't it wonderful to serve a God who says and promises to us, Behold, you'll go look that up in different translations. I am with you to the end of the age. That means he is with you when you're going through the tough times. He's with you when you're going through the good times. He's with you when your children are being disobedient to you and you need help as to how to not... He's with you when you're going to ask someone to come and come and just come to church with us. Just come check it out. Like you just come, just come with us. Just you know, you get a free lunch. You get you know, meet some new people, meet some new friends. Your children will have a good time if they have a family. You know, just come. He's with you when you're doing that. He's with you always. It says, always is always. And that's until the end of the age. There is no time when he is not with you. That is a great promise. That is an amazing promise. And really, to me, I look at that com- the commands he's given us, the things he's commanded us to do. And I say, man, that's a lot. Even though it's all compacted in the very intentional, specific Jesus words, as he spoke so marvelously and so eloquently and so intentionally, to do all of that, Lord, that's hard. That's a challenge you put down before me. It's challenging. But guess what? If 
you think about that last part, the great promise, that I am with you always, that's what can keep us going. That's what is going to help us when we're having those difficult times carrying these things out. That's where, that, that's where you go to and say, look, he's with me. He's not going to give me something and set me up to fail. He's not going to let me walk in something that I can't deal with. His word even says that very precisely. So he's with me. I can do this. I can keep going even when I don't feel like it or I'm tired or I get discouraged or somebody says no or I get other thing that takes me off the track. Keep going because he's with you. He's with you. Always is always. <laughs> I don't know what to say it. There's not ever a time that he's not with you. If you call upon, I did it this morning. The enemy was putting just some, just things in my mind to try to just get my mind off. I just believe it was just, just things that were just distracting me, and I was thinking about other things and just occupying my mind and, and crowding out what I was focused on here this morning. And I just said, in the name of Jesus, get out of my way because you're not going to disrupt what's going to happen today. You're not going to do it. And here's why. I went right back to that. Because, devil, he's with me right now. And he and I together, you lose. Me and you, I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to have a problem. He's with me always. I call on his name. He helps me. He answers me. It's a promise that keeps us going. David Livingstone. Does anybody know who David Livingstone is? He was a missionary, a doctor. I don't know if anybody ever heard the phrase Dr. Livingstone, I presume. <laughs> or that actually happened? I won't go into all that story. This David Livingstone was a, he was world-renowned. And so uh, he was asked to return to his native Scotland to speak to Glasgow University to a group of students there. And uh, he had spent, uh, when he came to, to, to speak to these students, he had spent the previous 16 years on, on the continent of Africa in ministry and in mission work and in, in, in providing medical assistance and all the things that he did. And uh, when he spoke to those students, it was very obvious the toll that those 16 years had taken upon him. His body was, was emaciated and, and he looked unhealthy. He had gone through, during the time he was there, 27 fevers that he had to battle his way through. Now, in that day, 27 fevers is a lot. Fever is not necessarily like some of the fevers that we have, that you have it and you can get it maybe under control or it lasts a little while, some longer than others. But the fevers in, these, in the kind of environment they were in could last for weeks. You know, and you're battling it, you can't eat. I mean, it just, and so all of that had taken a tremendous physical toll on him. And, and in addition to that, he had, uh, it was obvious to the students that his arm was not very useful. This arm was, they had an arm that couldn't, he couldn't raise it higher than that, and it looked just like it was not operating properly. The reason for that is it had been mangled by a lion in the work that he was doing. So he's standing up there before them, looking as, as poorly as he did, uh, in his physical uh, stature. And, of course, his arm was, was such that it wasn't, you know, hanging sort of awkwardly there. And uh, I think someone had asked him a question like, you know, man, going through all the things you went through there, what what happened or how did it go? And, and he answered the question like this. And he, he, um, he was quoted in, the, in a, a book I was reading, and, and I wanted to, uh, to, to share this exactly what he said. He said, shall I tell you 
What sustained me amidst, amidst the toil, the hardship, and the loneliness of my exile? So he's asking that in a question back to, I think, someone that was asking him a question. Shall I tell you what sustained me? And this is what he said. It was Christ's promise. I am with you always, even until the end. And I tell you, that promise is available to every one of us here today. That no matter what you're going through, and you're probably not going anything through anything like what he went through in the 1800s in Africa. It's not even like today being over there with the different technology and medical things and supplies and things that you have. He went through all of that, and he just said the one thing that kept him going, that one promise is, I am with you always, even till the end. It's it's available for you today. A relationship with Jesus Christ in this world, it's it's something that it's offered to us, and if we accept it and live in it and walk in it and submit ourselves to his authority and do the things that he's asking us to do, he is with us always, and he will help us make our way through this world we live in. He'll do it. He'll absolutely do it. And when he says always, man, I mean, I think about this challenging thing he's asked us to do in the Great Commission. He's given us some challenges, but he's given us a promise that he's going to be with us. And I look at it like if David Livingstone can do that, and that's what sustained him, then this can sustain me and keep me going that promise that he's with me right now. He's with me on this stage. He's going to be with me in my car. He's going to be with me when I'm at home. He's going to be with me when I'm at work. He's going to be with me when I'm eating dinner. It doesn't matter. He's going to be with me when I bump into people that I don't know before and have a discussion with them. He's going to be with me when I'm talking to people about the Lord for people that I've known for a long time, like I was doing yesterday, in fact. He's with me. And that means all the time, all the days, he is going to be there with you in days of strength, and of weakness. If you guys haven't experienced all of these different these swings, then, then God bless you. But I have. Days of strength and days of weakness, he's going to be with you. He's going to be with you in days of success and days of failure. He's going to be with you the days of joy. And he's going to be with you in days of sadness. He's going to be with you in days of health. He's also going to be with you in days of sickness. He's going to be with you. And I, this is my testimony today, and I could testify about a lot of things. He's going to be with you in days of freedom, but he's also there with you in days of bondage. He's with you always. He's with you in days of wealth. He's with you in days of poverty. He's with you even in days when you're obedient And he's with you in days when you're disobedient because he loves you. He loves you unconditionally. He wants the best for you. And all he's asking you to do is to live under his lordship, submit yourself under his authority. He's been given all authority in heaven and in earth. And he wants you to live in that because it doesn't matter what it is. It sustained David Livingstone. It sustained the apostle Paul. It's sustainability register. Because he is with me always. And it doesn't matter what he asks me to do or what I need to do. I know that he is with me and that through him 
through his strength and him being alongside with me, I can do all things through him. I said, I can do all things through him. I can do all things through him because he strengthens me. He holds me up with his mighty hand. And I know that no matter what I face and no matter what difficulty may come or no matter the circumstances, he shows up and he loves me and he is with me and he can help me and he can do that for you today. If you're not certain of that, he can do that for you today because that's the God we serve. I don't serve some just God that's there to maybe just worship because we're supposed to show up on Sunday and do it. I serve a powerful God. I serve a God that can do things that no one else can do. I serve an omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He is all things to everyone, and that's the God I serve. I know it is because his word says it's true. And this is infallible, inerrant. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing dated. There's nothing irrelevant about what is contained between the covers of this book. You're not alone. You're not alone. And so as we call ourselves to a deeper calling, to a ministry individually and as a church, to reach the lost, to go to make disciples, to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we will have him with us every step of the way. Every step of the way. Amen? Do you believe it? If you believe it and you receive it, give God a round of applause for the awesome God that he is because he is worthy. He is worthy. Where you where you made disciples? Who can you present that you baptized? Who can you present that you taught the things that I have commanded you? Well, Lord, I, I don't know, or, or, or maybe there was this one person a few years ago or something, okay? But, but, but no, maybe I could have done better. Maybe I could have done something a little bit better. If that's speaking into your heart today, there's a reason for that. There, there, there's a reason for that. Because I just don't think that we can enjoy the blessings and the presence of the Lord 
through the good times, the bad times, the difficult times, the, the storms, all the things that he brings us through, and, and all the, the, the wonderful things that it is to be a believer. We can't just sit and accept that into our own lives. We have to go. We have to do that. And I want to be able to say, if I'm asked, well, who can you present? I want to say, well, hey, I can present this person. I can present this person. And, and this person came to church, and, and then their family came, and, and they got saved, and, and then they grew in Christ, and then they went out and, 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 and served the Lord somewhere. or they did Whatever it might be, don't you want to be the one to say that? Don't you want to be the one? So I'm asking you today. If that's a question that you don't know exactly how you would answer, I'm going to ask you as we bow our heads and close our eyes to just ask the Lord. Because again, remember, He's with you. He's in this place right now. The presence of the Almighty God is in this place right now. He is here just as real as the person that's standing next to you or sitting next to you. He is here. And he is with us always. And so I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to just say, Lord, help me go. Help me go. Help me do what you've asked us to do. Give me the strength. Give me the words. Give me the encounter. Give me the person. And if this first person doesn't want to respond, then then give me the next one. But I'm going to go to them. I'm not going to let them come to me. Pray about that in your own words. Those are my words, but in your own words, ask the Lord to give you that gift, present, to do the things that he's commanded us to do, to go. And I believe that the more that we put feet on that and take action and go and walk, that he will allow us to see blessings and favor, not only just upon this church, but upon our lives individually, that we can't really understand or imagine right now. Because it's not something that we will understand or imagine. But that's what he wants to do. And that's not the only thing. There are other things, but this is the topic for today. And it's the last thing that he left us I'm asking you to challenge yourself. And if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, then I'm asking you to take action on that. And I'm going to ask people if they would, anybody here today that has a need for anything, 